Hey everyone, in the coming months, we're going to switch out some of our interstitial music and feature our good friend James Byer and his wonderful snare drums, Byer Snares. We're going to have a feature snare drum of the week with a good friend, Mark Beckett, and former guest, and we'll tell you what the snare drum is and how it sounds, and in one or two of the breaks during the episode, you'll hear a real example of the Bayer snare drum in action. We'll let you know who the drummer is and which snare drum they're using. We'll also include links to the performances in the show notes. And of course, we'll include a link to the website where you can find out more information about the Bayer snare drum. This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta. Today I'm talking with first call New York drummer Rudy Royston. Rudy has performed with many jazz greats, including Bill Frizzell and Dave Douglas, and has also developed his own unique voice as a composer and band leader. His latest project is an album called Panoptic, a collection of 23 short pieces for solo drum set divided into four themed suites. Rudy is donating proceeds from this release to Music Cares to benefit musicians in need during the pandemic. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Working Drummer Podcast on your platform of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We would also appreciate your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer, and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content from our former guests. Think of this as professional development for drummers, all useful and actionable lessons for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly, and and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. The snare drum feature for this week's episode is the 65 by 14 Bayer snare drum, performed by Nashville session drummer Mark Beckett. So Rudy is an incredibly thoughtful and creative drummer. We talk a lot on this podcast about the nuts and bolts of navigating life as a pro musician, uh, but Rudy is very introspective about his path and his expression, and our conversation deals more with the conceptual, the creative, what goes on inside Rudy, and how he externalizes it through his music. Really inspiring cat with a unique approach, so I hope you dig this. Here's Rudy Royston. by telling us just what the the last few months has been like for you and and how that uh has intersected with the the release of this record man i don't even know i i feel like these last few months have been like a kind of like a grieving process hmm. you know what i mean like kind of death thing because it was like <laughs> you know, just that initial shock. It's crazy because you spend like your whole life playing, trying to get to a point to where you can 
fill your calendar and you can have work and you you have some security and you feel cool with it and everything. Yeah. And then for that to go in a matter of three days, like the entire calendar just stops. You know what I mean? It was just like ethereal and like it was shocking. Yeah. So I, I think like the first two, three weeks, it was just like, what just happened? You know, like just shock, man. You know, just like, man. And then like there's the, you know, the initial sort of panic, you know, a little bit, you know, yeah. it's just like, what's going to happen? I'm going to pay my bills and like, I'm not even going to play. Like, what's, what's, what's the deal? So I think like the first, it took, man, like almost a month just to settle with, okay, this is a new thing and it's going to, it's going to be this way for a while. Right. You know, like, I'm going to just stop. And so that, you know, and then like the initial panic that comes with that, like I just filed for all of these grants and all these help things i tried to get a job at amazon you know it was just like man bro you need to do something you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it was just like i think you know at that point like but uh as things sort of begin to settle and, and kind of get a little more uh steady you know what i mean Which, they're not now but i mean just a little more you know i think that's when i was, that's you know, the, these these grants that I applied for started coming in, like a lot of them, um, just little ones, like stuff like the Newport Jazz Festival had a grant they gave me. Louis Armstrong had a grant that they gave me. And it's like all of that stuff when I started receiving it was like, man, this is, this is helping, you know, like, okay. And then you start to realize that you're not alone. It's like, man, what about all the rest of my, you know what I mean? All of us, like from Beyonce to me, you know what I mean? Like everyone. <laughs> You know, right, right. Nobody's working. So it's just like, wow, man, you know? So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just wanted to, I would see cats on, online and talk to my friends and then we were all struggling, you know? It's just like, man, I, I wish I had some money to give you, you know, like, I wish I could help you out or whatever. Man. So I just, I just thought I had this record. I just woke up one day, it's like, man, you got that drum solo record. That drum solo record that if you said outside of a pandemic, nobody's going to buy that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like drum solo record. But no, I think people would have bought it. But I, I was just I just had it in the can and I was like, man, you know, let's, let's try to use this to drum up some money, you know, just for a foundation because we're all struggling. So right, if I, have right. it, I don't have to go record it. Right, I have it's it. Done. It's done. Yeah. Um, it was math and everything, so I just, you know, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So proceeds of this, this is this is your new record, uh, Panoptic. Um, yeah. And and proceeds are going to the Music Cares Foundation, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, uh, you know, as I'm sure you have, I've gotten uh, various, you know, dispensations from Music Cares over the years, whether it's like a free dentist visit or, you know, a free pair of custom earplugs or something. Um, mm. For those who don't know about Music Cares, can you can you talk just a little bit about what that foundation is historically and, and what they're doing during COVID? Man, you know, I got to I got to admit, like, I, I didn't know about Music Cares. I, I was asking folks to tell me who would be a good foundation to donate to. Mm-hmm. And Ben Allison kind of recommended music there to me, and then a couple other people recommended. So I don't really have much of a history with them, but the guys who I talked to had a history with them. 
And they said the same thing that you said, like, you know, man, they, they totally stuff like that, you know, free dental visit or they'll, they'll give you, you know, when you need, they'll, they'll look after you. Cause I, I didn't really trust them, you know, cause it's <laughs> like, wow, where's the money really going to go? Like, I really want to help people. Otherwise I'll just try to sell it and just take the money personally to somebody, you know, like I really wanted to get to them. But then that process of just like, but yeah, but who is it going to be? Like, you're going to just choose, like, how are you going to do that? Right. You know? Like, but yeah, I just, I learned about Music Cares through Ben just recently. Mm-hmm. And then when I was deciding if I wanted to do it or not, I got a check from Music Cares in the, in the mail. And I was like, okay, they, they, they're doing what they say. It's like, so this must be the, this must be the people. So yeah, I'm learning about them now, actually. I don't really know much, but I'm learning now. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so this record, uh, Panoptic, is like you said, a drum solo record, um, and I don't, I don't know if I've really encountered a record like this before. As as I was listening to some of it, it reminded me a lot of um, what Antonio Sanchez did on the Birdman soundtrack, um, and uh, so so your your record is is just really. Um, you know, conceptual, you know, telling stories, painting pictures, using colors with just the drum set. And not only, I mean, it would be one thing, you know, some drummers have put out like a record of like, I don't know, six or seven or eight tracks, you know, just kind of different ideas. And this is 23 tracks (laughs) divided up into like four sections, basically. Right. Yeah. So, so talk about, you know, the, the concept behind this record. Because, man, the concept, because I was checking out, uh, you know, Ronald Shannon Jackson has this record called Putting on Dog that I was just checking out. And I was like, man, and his, I think his record happened just the same way. Like, he just went into the studio and just recorded it one time and just left. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of for a while. And then the producer uh, thought about it one day. It was like, oh, man, I'm going to put this out, you know, and just did it for him. But it was just like, man, what, we don't often think of drums in that way where it's just like, you know, I want to play drums, but I'm, I'm playing music, you, you know, like it's, it's solo drum music, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. So, so I want to play some music on the drums. I don't want to add loops, you know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to rely on that. Like, it's like, I want you to, if you can't sing the melody, I want you to know it's there. Mm-hmm. If you can't feel what I'm, I'm, the melody, I want you to know. You know, you feel it. I mean, but you know what I mean. I want you to. Yeah. If you can't hear. It, I want you to feel it. So uh, yeah, you know, it's just and it was something about because when I was practicing, when I play now, uh, I'm I'm hearing melody and harmony and different instruments. You know, anyway, I'm not just hearing them. I'm I'm playing what I think they would play. Mm-hmm. You know, on drums, so um, that whole concept was, was what I what I wanted to do when I went in to just make this, and I just gotten these this I just signed with Cannabis Drums. Yeah, so it's like man, I want to go. I want to go put these in the studios. Be this song like solo, but uh, yeah, just that whole the whole concept of just trying to relay music and and harmony and melody and color and texture and all of those things without help you know what i mean like i didn't want to get a drum loop you know what i mean just yeah like, just the drums mm-hmm. and that means that means i can't switch guitars on the next tune right. you know what i mean like 
not an acoustic guitar tune and the next one's electric. It's the same drum set yeah. for 20 tracks. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And the other thing that that's um, really like a, a feat about it is just kind of the emotional content. I think that's why it it reminded me of uh, Birdman and, and what Antonio Sanchez did because, you know, part of what he accomplished was imparting you know, emotional content, um, the, the emotional content of that movie, of that story through his drums. Um, and he did it live too. I saw him like, you know, play the soundtrack live with the movie. And it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen done on drums ever. Um, but what I've listened to on, on your record is, um, in addition to, you know, just the, the, the great drumming, obviously there's like each, each track has its own little emotional space that it, that it hangs out in for a minute. Yeah. Because, because each, each track is a tune, mm-hmm. like actually playing a tune. I'm not playing the drums. You know what I mean? Like I'm actually thinking of something that I'm trying to do. And that alone just gives it, gives it the characteristics right. that, that it needs. Like you can just hear that something is going on. And you can feel the, the emotion of it. And, this, and just experimenting with sounds like, you know, like why is a, you know, a pianissimo cymbal roll, you know, why is that not something you would play when you're thinking of children playing in the park on a swing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like associating sounds with pictures. You yeah. know what I mean? The, the kit with a picture and then trying to express that. You, you know what I mean? And it's just like, uh, just, just you know, painting those pictures is is what was I was trying to achieve with it, and, and like you said, like to tell a story so that you can actually feel it, feel you know. So there's some things that I, I would maybe try to come back to the theme of, mm-hmm. you know, um, like the one snap finger tune. That's one finger snap, basically curvy. But I'm just messing with that theme, that first theme. That shocked me when I came to New York because everyone was playing it. You know, I mean, if I was in Denver, we play one finger snap. <laughs> and he was like, I was like, oh man, what, what is this? I didn't even know. You know, it's like, how do I play this too? But you know that. So that something that just made an impression on my mind. And so now, when I when I'm thinking about you know playing adventurous, because that's what it was for me when I first played like a shock of adventure and different harmony and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man. That's Herbie. So it just reminds me of that. So I was just trying to express that in the tune, like the uncertainty of it and the, the adventure of it, like, man, starting and stopping. Like, wait, oh, wait, let me try that. Let me try that again. You know, like, you know, that whole sort of you know, syncopated sort of thoughts when you're playing that you can't do when you're playing a gig. It's just like, you, that was it. You got to wait till the, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> you got to sit through 10 minutes of solos and then you'll get it again on the, on the head out. <laughs> yeah. And, and Antonio's thing, after I heard it, it's like, man, that's exactly what, that's the thing. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I'm talking about. I want to be for all of us drummers, man. Cause you know, you know, like I used to say in jazz, it's like, how many people you got in your band? Oh, I got five musicians and a drummer. Right. <laughs> like, we're not, you know, but I wanted to, you know, just just show myself really, and, and other people just have fun playing actual music. Yeah, yeah. So, um, talk a little bit about kind of the the four sections that that these tracks are divided up into. Yeah, man. You know, like I just basically there is no one thing. There's no one 
thing that I'm into. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not really, I've never done that. I don't know how to, you know, there was like three year period where I was just into jazz, you know what I mean? Cause I was trying to learn this language and really, so it was just like all only jazz 24 hours a day. You know what I mean? It's like trying to, for like three years of like every day, that's all I checked out. But uh, still, man, I don't, I don't know. I just sort of grew up checking out, checking out a lot of stuff. So basically there's just, there's, you know, uh, there are moments where I go through these when I'm playing styles that I'm that I'm feeling at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So on this session, I just basically was feeling those four kind of things, like pop tunes, church tunes, stuff that I was hearing other drummers do or or, or other jazz musicians do that I was like digging at the time about them, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? and just scenes. And it's really like the people who I was playing with, I think. I was playing with J.D. Allen at the time, so we were playing like a lot of hidden swings of where I could try on my train and Elvin stuff, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that's like the tribute thing, because I was into a lot of that. Then I was playing with Bill Frizzell at the time, and it was just like, man, there was a lot of scenes. Right. You know what I mean? And my son was like five or something like that. No, he was like nine, but so I was checking out a lot of pop stuff. <laughs> you know, of his stuff. Cause I'm, I'm like, I've always, I don't know, man. I just like everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, so I, that's just where I was at the time. I was just into these kind of four kind of categories of stuff that I was playing, but I didn't do that on purpose. You know what I mean? I just went in the studio and just played. And then later when I listened back, it's like, these are, you kind of just, you just, you know, it's not in order like on the, on the CD. Right. I, you know, I put them in that order. Because I just I noticed it's like you just kind of went to these same four places, really. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, I kind of assumed, you know, reading about this record and listening to some of it, that um, it was it was you know very intentionally sort of conceived, you know, with these four different sections and these these uh, you know different pieces within each section. But you're mm-hmm. saying it just kind of it wasn't preconceived; those things just kind of came out when you did the session and later you kind of realize like, Oh, they fall into these four kind of buckets of what I was, what was going through my head at, at the time. Yeah. That's super cool. And I could feel it at the time, but I, you know, just, you know, yeah. Like I just, it just sort of came out at different times because, you know, like uh, I just wanted to play what I felt. Yeah. And I want to be like, all right, take two. <laughs> right. You know, because it's like, man, I'm I'm in the studio, me and the engineer, I got this new kid that I want to, you know, and I've been practicing, you know, and I just want to play. I don't have to take care of anyone. I don't have to keep time for anyone. Like, I don't want any of that. I just want to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just play for like three hours and just just do what I do. Just like not have to, there's no takes. There's no take. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just playing, Mm -hmm. you know, like just allow myself to do what it is I always want to do, but I can't because I'm part of a band. Right. right. Like, gotta do what you need to do. To make the music sound good. You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it was cool just to just to get to do that and to, you know, just get myself, because I, I wonder what it would have sounded like like a week later, because maybe I would have been checking out a lot of, you know, Chicago and, and bread and the cars, you know what I mean? And then, what would that have sounded like? You know what I mean? Right. Or when I was checking, checking out 
Tchaikovsky, you know, like it's, it's, but for that week, it was really cool. That time really was what I was just into at that time. Yeah. And I, uh, I forgot who said it. I, I heard a, um, you know, one of the, one of the older, uh, more well-known jazz musicians. I wish I could remember who it was, but he was, um, you know, I, I was at a show and, and he was talking about, you know, their, their new CD that they had for sale. And he said, you know, what, what you heard tonight is not what you're going to hear on this CD. Cause when we recorded this, it was, it was that day, you know, like the, the music has evolved since then and neither is better or worse, but like, you know, don't expect to hear, <laughs> don't expect to hear the same stuff on the record that you heard tonight. Um, yeah. and if, if, you know, if, like you said, if he said, if we had recorded this CD a week later, it would sound different again. You know, yeah. and that's part of the that's part of the beauty of of a jazz record, especially. I think it's just like a snapshot, not just of a period in a person's or a band's career, but like that day, literally. Yeah, yeah, like that evening, actually, because like later on that evening may be different. You know? Right, right. Right at that moment, you know. Yeah. So I mean, and that's that was kind of the challenge. Now I think it's like, okay, so what if I get me from this you know what i mean right <laughs> i mean you know just at first glance it has the the potential to um be you know sort of developed into um a, a sort of theatrical kind of show i mean i don't i don't know if that's on your radar if that's something you want to do but i i thought that i was like these are just little stories little scenes and, yeah. and you could do something like that you know um yeah but but then like you said how do you uh, <laughs> how do you bridge the gap between where you were at the time you recorded it and and now? You know now, yeah, because and because now I've you know I don't know I tried some different things. I guess I've grown a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know if I would play that like that now. You know what I mean? It's right. Like, hmm. You know. But I like I said I think I think the integrity of playing a real tune because you know you've been that'll tie it together because you've been in those situations where we take solos and halfway through the drum solo you realize i have no idea what i'm saying right now yep it's just like what am i doing yeah you know so you just but you got to finish you know you got like (laughs) you got another chorus to go it's just like man i'm just meandering i'm not really saying anything you know what i mean like that, that even in your thoughts, I'm like thinking about football or whatever. You know, it's like, what are you, where are you? Like, what are you? Doing? But that kind of thing uh, is is what would, would weaken something like this. You know, if there's a definite idea, this is what I'm doing, then that's what'll give it a power. So I think what I would just have to capture again is somehow the idea of what I was doing. <laughs> like, what was the emotion of that moment? Mm-hmm. Then I it'll come back. You know. It'll it'll tie itself together. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's one reason that I have um when I'm when I'm playing, I have more of those moments that you're talking about when I play jazz. Um because mm-hmm. if I play pop or rock or you know anything else, you know, my role as a drummer is totally different. I'm I'm someone who really latches on to lyrics and story um yeah. in, in that way. So if you know, if I'm playing a song I can I can just like put myself in the headspace and the emotional space of that song much more yeah. easily than than if it's a jazz tune and I have to kind of 
like conjure that emotional headspace or, or, you know, bring it out of myself rather than just put myself into that space. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's like, man, that's what I, I need that. Like sometimes, you know, I need to know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes when you, when I get those lyrics or when I get that tune, it's just like, it's telling me where to go. Right. So it's like, cool. You know, so it's just like I could find that feeling in me that I know I can relate it to something in me and then I can play that. And it's just like and I can always rely on that being there because lyrics are always going to be there. You know what I mean? Right. Even if it's a night where the singer is off and not feeling it, you know, bad food or whatever. But Mm -hmm. still know the lyrics are telling you where you should go, where you might want to go. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like you said, when when it's jazz, it's just like, wow. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, anything is possible. Everything is possible. Um, yeah. And and I found that um, you, you probably find the same where you you find the the best improvisation and the most creativity when when you have some parameters, right? Either parameters yeah. that are imposed on you or that you impose on yourself. Um, yeah. whether it's orchestrational or like a, you know, a rhythmic or melodic sort of theme. Um, I find that it's much easier to just kind of find that creative space, that free, um, you know, creative space where you're not, you're not just playing, you know, yeah. you're kind of. Yeah. And that, so that's what I mean. Like that's, that's what made this hard. It's just like, if you're just going to play, people are going to get tired of this in about one minute and a half. <laughs> You know, right, right. Like, dang, enough already. You know what I mean? What's with just turn it? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, like bad drums. It's like a like a dripping faucet. You know what I mean? At some point, you notice it. You're just like, turn that off. Until it started to just like, what is going on? It's that faucet, man. Turn it off. You know right, I mean? right. Or so, sometimes it's a fire hose. Like you come across <laughs> something on Instagram and it takes you by surprise. You're like, Jesus, oh, too, too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wasn't ready for all that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, man, the thing that that I think keeps that 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 that's not there. You know what I mean? Because it's it's a real thing that you're playing, but you have to find that real thing on your own. And that kind of makes it kind of hard. But if you have the idea, you know, then it, it's cool. Just stick with it and be patient. You know, like that's the kind of stuff that I learned. Like, don't bail. It's like this is a it's just just play. You don't have you don't have to do anything right now. Right. You don't have to do anything. Just stay with the idea. You know, and that was that was something that was I had been learning that anyway, just because I grew up sort of playing a lot more notes, just note wise, because I'm not because I like playing a lot of drums. I don't like playing drums at all, really. I like playing music, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I quickly get tired of that because it's just like, I'm not going to, the stuff I would have to practice in order to play drums, it's for me, I don't want to do that. I want to play the music, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? That's what I want to play. But then that's made, made me play too much because now I'm playing lyrics and then I'm trying to accentuate the lyrics and then I hear the piano player do something and then I hear, you know, I'm playing too much stuff. You know what I mean? I'm trying to relate everything when I should just do the brush on drums and play the drums. Right. You know what I mean? right. Let everyone do what they do and it works together. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's something that's taken me like a lifetime to learn just because I got so much to say and then you're just messing up the tune. You know? Right. It's like, relax and just let ev- everyone plays the tune. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, 
when I moved to New York, I got a handle on that, I think. But for when I made this record, it was just like, remember that, dude. Now you're just with you. So it's just like there's the melody going on in your mind or the picture or the scene. Let it play out. Like you don't have to play everything in the scene. Just, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Let it, let it be itself. Let it play what, it, what it's going to play. Like this, the, just the bus tune, uh-huh. you know. It's just like, man, just play and stop. I'm like, okay. Okay, come back in, play the same thing. You don't have to like, yeah, check this out. You know, so, no, just say the same thing. Stop, just like a real bus ride. You know? Right, right. Or you hit a, but that's about all that's going to be different. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. Or like, you know, two two stanzas of a verse. You know, it's that, it's, sometimes it's like the same words over and over, you know. Yeah. And if it's not the same words, it's the same melody, same rhythm. Like, it's just the same phrase. They just stay with it. Yeah. And that's the stuff that we remember, you know. That's the stuff that makes it cool. That's the power. It's like, do that. Like, why not do that? Mm-hmm. You know, the reason why you like the two, do that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Just learning that kind of stuff. But that's why, too, like, man, it's just, I just want drums. You know what I mean? I just want to see if this can happen with just drums. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it happened for sure. Um, tell uh, tell people where, like, how they can uh, get this record. Um and uh, where where to go for it? Man, it's on Bandcamp for sure. You can get it there. And Bandcamp is like right now donating some of their money to like the NAACP fund. Mm-hmm. And they take like their 15% or whatever. And you can get it at greenleafmusic.com. Mm-hmm. That's Dave Douglas's label. Right. Dave. And uh, it's on there. And maybe on iTunes. By now, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, the, the the normal the normal places you should be able to find it. But Greenleaf is, and Bandcamp are the, the ones that I recommend because we can more directly handle the the donations and give the money straight to Music Care. Here's Jared Pope performing on the six and a half by fourteen buyer snare drum live with Damon Johnson. You're the product of uh, the Denver scene, correct? Yeah. Um, I I know very little about Denver. I know even less about the Denver music scene. Um, so I know you you went to college there and 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 lived there for a good time after that. 
Um, so what, uh, tell us, tell us about that scene. How did it shape you? What's it made of? Man. I mean, cause you know, I think there was just a overall tone to the Denver scene that that's tied into the landscape of Denver, hmm. you know, like beautiful plains, but then you have the Rocky mountains to the West and they're, you know, they're always there. It's, it's snow capped or they're purple. Mm-hmm. You know, all the, time, the purple mountains. Yeah. Um, you know, when and when I was younger, it was less people, you know what I mean? So it was just, it was kind of just more open and um, it wasn't like a cowboy town. Like people seem to think, it'd be like, there's jazz in Denver. Like, really? Come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, but, it, but, you know, it was just, it was, uh, the tone of Denver was really chill. You know what I mean? So I think in, in places like like that, you have a open capacity to like a lot of different sort of music, you know, just because there's, there's, there's something that's just inviting about the, the landscape, you know, and the tone of the city. And so, you know, we had Denver and then we had Boulder close by, which had its own kind of feeling and Fort Collins and Colorado Springs. So these kind of places um, that were, equally sort of open, but they had a different flavor to their sort of to their environment. But mm-hmm. so, so, and then there's like, and plus it's like right in the middle of the United States. So it was just a great place to be because you had all music sort of passed by Denver. So it kind of came through, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that parliament, they're going to come through Denver. It's not like, yeah, we're going to Denver, you know, <laughs> no, they're like we're going to LA. But we're gonna play in Denver, you know. Right, right, because that's the only place between St. Louis or Kansas City and and L.A. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we had like a steady flow of all like all kinds of music, all mm-hmm. country artists, all rock artists. Everyone, you know, would stop in Denver and play. So we had all this music all the time, uh, and we had our own band playing this music. You know, we had grunge clothes we had jazz clothes we had which was cool like there was everything in Denver you know what I mean it's like it was like a, a very 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 uh less dense version of New York <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah you know I mean it's just like New York has it everywhere but take like 10% of that and put it in Denver and that's kind of what it was like it's like you still have the same stuff same you know variety of music great artists great players, great musicians. And it just, uh, so we had, you know, Denver scene was kind of like not country, you know, it wasn't jazz. It was just everything was sort of everywhere a little bit. Right. <laughs> right. So it was kind of, that was what was cool about Denver. And Denver didn't never, it never felt like a small city, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a calm city, you know, but a, a big spread out sort of calm, you know, by where we had, you know, and, we, and like a lot of salsa, like everything was happening in Denver. So. Yes. Like, so that scene was was kind of great to grow up in just because like, we can kind of hear anything it, always, like any kind of thing that was ever what's going on between New York and L.A., you're going to hear it in Denver hmm. from artists over and people passing through. Yeah. So it was kind of like a... Yeah, it was a good, it was a good scene to grow up in, man, because it was just there was a lot around, and then just the jazz dudes and a lot of the jazz cats were cool because they would they came from like other Nat Yarborough was one of the jazz cats there. He was from Jersey, 
Bruno Carr was there. He played with like Sarah Vaughn. It's like there's a lot of people who were there. The, the Crusaders who were there. I think this cat. Yeah. Stone, I think. The Jazz Crusaders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was so. It was a lot. Of, it was like a lot of stuff that was just there. You know, you just it just didn't feel like it was like oh, it was like, but it's still there. It's like all these cats are here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, and playing. So yeah, it was it was uh that kind of a scene where you can play whatever you want to play really, yeah. and go whatever you want to hear. Right, right. Um, so you, in, in college, you studied uh, music, obviously, but also did a, a degree in, in, was it English or poetry? Poetry. Cool, cool. So how, um, I mean, that, that makes total sense, especially in, in light of the conversation we just had about panoptic and just, you know, kind of little scenes, little stanzas. Um, yeah. But how how have those two um art forms sort of uh you know combined to to inform your approach over the years man it's the same way because i got into poetry because we checked out like langston hughes i was like man this is music it's like this is just like jazz when i read this is like i'm playing this mm-hmm. on tonight you know what i mean so the, it's like the sort of the 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 not even the beauty of it, but it's the beauty of where how language could be used. Words can be used to say something that words can't say. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. To to bring you to a place that you feel and understand it through words, but words can't describe it. Right. You know I mean? And I, so it's like I know what you mean. Poetry occupies this space that um, is not. It, it's not a story. It's not speech. It's you know it like it, it's using the same words and letters that we use every day, but but just yeah. creating a different effect. Yeah, just this different effect, and it's challenging you. It's it's just saying you you know how this evokes you or what this brings to you. It's just like can you find that? Like it's like you 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 hear it. You've, when you're reading it, it's just like, can I find what this, I know what this is trying to, you know what I mean? I feel that. It's like that pursuit in you is like affected my music. It's just like, how do I, I want to, you know what I mean? I want to say the thing that I can't say, but I want you to be like, what is that you're trying to say? Like, I feel thing, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. That same kind of pursuit of poetry, try to say something in music that yeah, I can't say, I can't just play the groove. You know what I mean? But, and, and you understand it. So I have to, I want to relay the feeling of it to you. Right. You know, I want, I want you to feel something. Right. And a feeling yeah. is, is more ambiguous than, you know, a story <laughs> or a joke or something like, and I think it's, it's one of the reasons that, that people, you know, myself included sometimes have a hard time like accessing poetry as a whole, because it requires you to just kind of exist in this ambiguous space and just like sit with it. Yeah. See, that's what, that's what it, it challenges you. You know what I mean? It's ambiguous because like you said, it's just, it's not concrete. You know right. what I mean? It's just, what am I going to, you know what I mean? It's that challenge that some people are just like, man, I can't do poetry. It's just like, no, it's because it's challenging you in a way that you feel like you have to do something and you don't. It's like, just give in to that, whatever makes you feel. If it's nothing, turn the page and go to the next poem. Like, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. But you know, it, it was, it's, it's calling something out of you. And it's just like, man, am I, am I 
you know, it can make you doubt yourself. You know, am I smart enough? <laughs> right, right. Am you I know, am I but, taking the right thing out of this? Is this what? Right, like, yeah. yeah. But that whole thing just just tells you who you are as a human being. You know, like it just it just puts on display all of your humanity, your strengths, your weaknesses, who you think you are, and who you actually are. Like yeah. all this, you know, it just puts it out there, so it makes you kind of naked. You know what I mean? so yeah. It's like, you know. And some people just love that naked feeling. So it's just like those are the poetry lovers. You know what I mean? They love that rawness of soul. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like playing music, man. I want to do that same thing with, you know, like, man, I want to just have this rawness of soul. It's hard to do, man, because it's different. You know, it's drums. You know, it's a different. We all know what the word the means. Uh-huh. You know, when you're playing drums, half the people are just like, why is he hitting that snare like that? You know, it's just like, <laughs> For the jazz player, like, oh yeah, that's cool. Ghost knows, you know what I mean? Right. So, just relating that—that's why, I like, you just try. I just try to kind of forget the words sometimes and just play the emotion. Yeah, and that's the. That's the. You know, I learned that really playing in church a lot. Hmm. You know, just like, and it's just kind of simple stuff sometimes. Just like symbols, you know. Like, there's a reason why at the end of like a long drum solo, you know, solo in the middle of a show, more than likely that drum solo is not going to end with the drummer on all the times going, <laughs> more than likely he says at some point it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Usually that's what happened. It ends with like a lot of symbols. You yeah. know what I mean? The symbols sort of take you on this journey and they lift things up just emotionally for you. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like stuff. It's like, how do you use the symbols? To actually take some somewhere emotionally, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and just the adventure of that, like it's just it's all part of the story. Because I used to take all these drum solos and I would start on the toms and then add cymbals. You know what I mean? Right. You're like the great drummers, you know, then some of them would start on the cymbals and end on the tom. Totally. I'm thinking of like Buddy Rich and Max Roach. They did that all the time. Just like symbol yeah. like cymbals for five minutes or something. Yeah. And then end on time. So it's just like, okay, so there's a story here. There's a way to tell the story just from the sonic characteristics of, of the drums, you know. So, like, that stuff I sort of learned in church because we'd be in church and people, you know, like Pentecostal church when I was growing up, people would go into like the, the praise sections, you know, the shout sections where people start dancing. And, and right after that, it may come way down, you know what I mean? It's just like, so how are you going to follow all of this that's going on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I grew up, it was like me and an organist. That's it. It wasn't like, like now you got the bass and the guitar and it was like, and everybody gets paid. It's like, why not? Hey, no pay when I was growing up. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's like, man, that stuff kind of taught me just, you know, just to, how to flow with what's going on and, and how to use the, the, the kit to, Express it, you know what I mean. Express mm-hmm. the room at the time. Yeah, that kind of. That, I learned a lot doing that. It's interesting about the organ too, because like I'm I'm obsessed with the organ. I love playing with organ. I love listening to it. Um, and and talking about like uh, capturing a vibe or you know expressing uh you know the feeling in the room. Um, I I think the organ has you know m- maybe more capacity to do that. 
than yeah. than any other instrument. It just has so many voices in it. It has you know so much uh, huge range, uh, not only um, you know tonally but just volume wise. Um, and so playing with an organ in church, if it's just you and the organ and the organ is covering all this ground, you know, I would imagine that kind of forced you to like expand your palate as well. Yeah. And, and, and it was a lot of it was just on the fly, like on a dime, you know what I mean? And he would just reach over and just flick the little switch and it'd be like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you know, everything changed, you know what I mean? And you know, you know, it's you never know where you're gonna go, what's gonna happen. You know, what I mean, stuff was just changing all the time, and the organists had to be right with it. I had to be right with them. Right. Yeah, it was it was the event, man. I was at the event, but you learn and you learn not to panic. You know, to teach you a lot of stuff. Right, right. A, a friend of mine was talking, who who also grew up on the church in the church, was talking about how church music and gospel music, um, or maybe it was Pudge Tribbett. I think I interviewed Pudge Tribbett, and he was talking about how church music and gospel music isn't about arrangements. It isn't about roadmaps. It's, it's about a feeling. It's about the feeling in the room, the vibe in the room and knowing how to go with it in the moment. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's about sister Jones right there. Who's just going to jump up and start singing a song in five different keys. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, what is going on? You know what I mean? Right. You know, it's like, wait, sister, okay, you got to wait now. Yeah. Then you come back. One, no, but she know. had a feeling. She had a, <laughs> you know, you know, like man, it's like there was no like four bar phrases of four four. It's just like no, you you might get that last bar might be one and a half, two bar. You know? <laughs> it felt like singing again. You know, it's just like you just wait and you just end this up. No, like you know, yeah, it's just there's no charts. That's what I'm saying. It's, it was yeah, no charts, <laughs> no nothing. It was just like this. You just see what happens, you know what I mean? Just go with it and play and, and try to, you know, the, the fun part of it was try to make something out of Sister Jones' disaster, you know what I mean? Just, you know, <laughs> good. Yeah. I'm going to start a band called Sister Jones' Disaster. There you go. <laughs> I was kind of surprised to read. I think I read it in a, a downbeat interview you gave a while back, which was that um, after college, you spent 10 years as a public school music teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Man, there was some there was some weight in that answer. <laughs> um, what what did you take out of that experience? And was I mean, was that something that you just kind of ended up in or, or was that something you really wanted to do? And, and what did you take out of that? I mean, that was, that was, it was great. I, I shouldn't say it like that. It was really, it was really fun. It was, just, it's just a different life. Yeah. You know what I mean, it was a different tone to what I'm, to what I do now. And it's like, both are good. It's just like, um, they're just different things, you know? 
Um, but yeah, so I always said I would never teach. I was like, I'm never going to teach. I just want to play. Mm-hmm. And you graduate college, and then it's just like, well, you know, it's good money. I have money left over after paying the bills. You know, it's just like, wow, that's never happened. Right. I like benefits, and then you get married, and then it just, you know, it's just like, wait, this is, you know. So you sort of settle into that, to that predictable life, you know, like it's like you know where your money's coming from, you know how much you can, you can, you know, buy a house or do whatever you're gonna do. But I, but I like the the kids as well, like you know, because I taught elementary first. Wow. And and I like them because they they I liked it at the school that I was at because it wasn't general music. Like I was actually teaching band, mm-hmm. you know, I was. Band. General music is cool too, but I I didn't really have to do much of the ta ta ti ti ta. But it was cool with that. But so yeah, it was just cool just to see, you know, the little Vasti from like Chihuahua, Mexico, actually learn the the fingerings of a flute and start to play and sound like your tone is amazing. You know what I mean? You can see it. Like I think you're gonna be a flute. You know? Yeah. You're gonna be. A like that, just that possibility of seeing like, dude, you really sound, this is natural to you. Like that was really cool to see in a lot of them. And, uh, and then they were young enough. You can just kind of scare them in the same way. You want to say, hey, sit down. You know, that's it. <laughs> you know? Then I went to like middle school and high school after that. And it was just like, oh God, it's people. Right. That doesn't work anymore. <laughs> wow. High school was cool because we just, you know, you get a little sensible in high school, you know, it's like, I can, I can talk to you and you're going to be stable. Middle school is just like, I have no, you just all over the place all the time. Right. It's just energy, just straight energy in elementary too. high school. You can chill a little bit and have a conversation, you know? What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Lunch, hang, we'll play a little bit, you know, and then go to class or whatever. Right. But, um, but all of it, but I love teaching and I love music and I love the kids, you know, like I just love checking them out and seeing them develop and and when they feel good enough with you that they can come and confide in you and talk to you about stuff it's just like man that feels good you feel like you're helping and trying to produce something good in someone's life yeah yeah i have the same experience i've I've never taught public school um but i have you know i've, I've had students on and off for for my whole adult life and you know a, a lot of times it feels like a chore or babysitting or, you know, any of those sort of negative aspects of it. But there, there are always a few where, like you said, you feel like you're playing a little bit of a role in this kid's life. Um, you know, not that he's going to keep in touch with you after he leaves home or whatever, but just right now you're kind of filling this space for half an hour or an hour a week that the kid can just, you know, go after something he's into uh, be himself a little bit in a way that he can't around his parents or around his friends. Um, and you know, like you were saying about, uh, being in the moment with music, whether it's in jazz or in church or whatever, I mean, kids experience everything in the moment and especially music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because they, some of it is so new to them, you know what I mean? Right. They're just, it's, it's like a thing. And then it's, we're looking for in the moment of emotions now for them in the moment it was just like just the music itself sonically having played something like that you know what I mean? wow that came out you yeah, know what I mean? yeah yeah <laughs> they're like totally just right in there like they forgot everything at that moment you know what i mean it's just like they're just there 
but yeah, it's like uh, that that whole journey of it is was very cool. But I had to, you know, I, I just got to a point where I had to make a decision what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was playing a lot in Denver, and then I stopped playing. It was like, man, this, my life has been like a weird journey. Then I stopped playing and was only playing in church. So then all the people in, on the Denver scene was just like, oh, man, he only plays in church. So they were calling me. <laughs> then I started playing again. It's just like, nah, wait, I was just busy. you know. And then I started teaching, but I was still playing on the weekends. And you know, I was playing with Ron Miles a lot. He was just like, man, you should just you should just go to New York. Like he would come back from New York and be like, yeah, I just did a gig with Blade. And I'm like, come on, dude, don't be telling me that. <laughs> Now I'm on the gig with you. You just play with Brian Blaze. It's like, come on. Right. You know, he's just like, no, man. He's like, no. he's like, you're playing the same thing. as Blade has, he's Blade. You're not him. You know what I mean? It's like, you're playing, just do your thing. Right. It's like, well, you should go to New York and try to do your thing. I'm like, ah, I'm cool. You know, but at some point, it was just like, yeah, you know what? I have to play more. You know what I mean? Because I started out playing a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like, then I went to teaching, but it was just like, I, I wanted to keep playing, you know what I mean? <laughs> but teaching was good, and I had to take care of my, my little ones. But so, yeah, at some point, it was just like, man, I got to go, to, I got to play again, you know what I mean? Or else I'm, either I'm going to be like a great band teacher and just give in and be like, this is what I want to do in Denver. Because you can do both, but I was just in Denver where I couldn't travel and stuff like, because New York is just more, it's easier to do that. Yeah. Or I was going to be like just a salty band teacher because I always wanted to play, you know. What right, I mean? right. <laughs> like seventy, I'm trying. To, I'm going on a gig, you know. Where's the medication? <laughs> or you know, I can just try to do it now, and if I don't do it, I come back. You know, what I mean? yeah, but you got to try to do this, or else you're not going to be a happy person. Mm-hmm. So I just made that decision and just failed to try it. Try to just play. Yeah. Teaching was fun. It's not like I can't get away from teaching. It's just no. I just had to play. You know what I mean? Right. To see if I could do this because I, I was sitting in with guys who kept coming through Denver. You know what I mean? And this is like Roy Hargrove came through Denver one time with that band. It's like Ron Blake and Greg Hudge. Yep. And then that band back then, and just like man, they had this jam session at Diane Reeves' house. They like that, like Diane Reeves. She's like chilling in Denver. You know. What I mean? <laughs> Cool places like Diane Reeves is right there. But then, so I went to this jam session and I got, you know, I was playing with Roy and I was all happy, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm getting to play. Man, who was the bass player? Not Taurus Mateen. I don't know who it was, but it's like, yeah, this is cool. Playing all my stuff. And then Greg Hutch comes in and he's like, got the flu, you know what I mean? Mm. He's like, nipples, he keeps his big old coat on, you know, and this is a hot basement. Gets on the kid and just like, bang. And it was just like, dude, really? Come on, man. <laughs> just quarter notes, like, swinging his ass off, like. Anything, man. He was just like. Songs, <laughs> you know. You learn how to do that, you know. He's like, I would just go to New York just to be around that and just find out, you know, what is this, man? How, how did I can't do that? You know, it sounded a thousand times better than me and played 10% of the stuff I play, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of just was intriguing. And I kept seeing, you know, I would get to sit in with people when they come through. And like, oh, no. So, yeah, at some point it was inevitable. I, I knew I had to get to me. Right, right. So you made the move and it it, it stuck. 
You didn't have to go back to <laughs> didn't have to go back to Denver. I thought I was. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Into that second year, I was like, I'm, I don't think I'm like this is not working. But then gigs it kind of turned on. It was slow, and then after about. 14, 15 months, it just kind of went like that. Right. But in the beginning, it was like, there is nothing happening. Right. And and during the beginning, like, you know, no no gigs are coming in, but are you just like pounding the pavement, going to every jam session, going to every, having coffee with whoever, like? Man, it was just, it was just sessions. Because I can't, the reason, they, the way to get here was like this master's degree at Rutgers. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool because then there's like family housing, you know what I mean? So it's like a place to be. Yeah. And, you know, but we didn't, we had like one car that broke down very quickly on like New Jersey streets with like potholes that are just in crazy, you know, I mean, it's worse than Detroit. <laughs> but no, I was, just, I would just drive back. And then it, it hit me. It was just like every time you go in the city, then it was cool but it was still it was like that's twelve dollars every time you go in and out of the city right in and out now that's man that's it's 20 just to go in but it's like to go in and out plus the gas to get there it was just like you're spending in colorado didn't have you just go you walk out your door in jersey you're gonna spend money you know (laughs) i have anywhere on the highway it's gonna cost you something yeah i mean yeah it's just like wow man but that and just I hit just like you said it was just jam sessions, man. I went to like jam sessions that that were just stuff put together by students. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would walk in and he'd be like, "Who's this dude?" I'm like, "Man, I was I'm old enough to be your band teacher. I just taught kids your age." You know? <laughs> it was crazy, but uh, yeah, it was just jam sessions, man, and. Cats were vibing me a little bit in the beginning. And not everyone in New York does that. It was just some cats who I was exposed to at the time. You know, kind of like looking like, you know, it was just, it was just, it was just dude. Just like, you know what, like, man, I, you know, just just play. I am just, just want to get some gigs, learn this. Right. And I don't I don't know why that's necessary. I mean, I know it's it's kind of like a, a rite of passage on certain scenes and, and especially on the New York scene, but it's like, man, I'm I'm a person. You're a person. I just want to play. Like, can you, you know, why do you, yeah. why do you got to put me through this hazing? Right. Like, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not Tony Williams. You're not Miles Davis. Like, let's just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it was usually, I found out later, it was just cats who, just small cats, small minded cats anyway. You know, yeah, just yeah. Answer, and just having to, you know, after I started playing with folks. Then they, and I would see them for who they are. I'm like, Dude, okay, this stuff, you're just doing this to, to other people because you can't get the gig that they got. Right. You know I mean? Right. It's chip, you know, and just enjoy where you are. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it was so, you know, but I went through that a little bit. Stacy Dillard helped me out a lot. Sax player. Mm-hmm. It's like there's, I would go to the session at Zing Bar and nobody knew me. That's when it was the old Zing Bar. And it would be like 3 a.m. And you just waiting your turn, and then they would just end the session. You'd be like, oh, "Man, I've been here since like eleven thirty. You know, yeah, come on, you know. But a couple nights later, Stacy was there, and he's like, "Man, let's just do play because we we did another session at Fat Cat, and I kind of got to play a little bit." And he heard me. He was just like, "Man, this dude can play. Let him play." At 
4 a.m. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but that's stuff like that, then that helped, you know, people. It was just little tiny steps where people would hear me and then know and remember me and hear me and remember me. You know what I mean? So it was all sessions. I just had to do the sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over. Sessions, sessions. That, that first time I experienced a session, session in somebody's house was with like Donnie McCaslin. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't in Denver. I just went over Ron's house and played. Right. You know what I mean? We didn't, we didn't really think of it like a session. You know, when I got there, it was like, oh, this is what Ron was doing. Like working on music, trying new stuff. You know, come to the house and let's play a session session. Right. It's like a workshop. Yeah. But that was my first realization, and that's what that was. You know. What I mean? But yeah, the, but even those things help. Like, just go to someone's house and play a little bit of their music so Donnie knew who I was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Little stuff like that. It took like a year and a half of that <laughs> before it kind of took off. As we look forward to you know the next few months and few years of whatever the hell music uh, is going to be, <laughs> um, what are your what are your thoughts about like how you're gonna um, kind of move forward? Um, you know, basically, I'm I'm thinking about we've you know obviously there's the overarching backdrop of of COVID. Um, but now there's, uh, just a huge and, and necessary conversation about racial justice. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts and perspectives on, on, uh, you know, how we move forward in the music industry, uh, in light of these sort of, uh, generational, um, you know, landmark, uh, circumstances. <laughs> Man, you know, it's, it's pretty overwhelming right now. Like I don't really... <laughs> You know, I don't know what's going on. It's like, there's always been sort of that dual, you know, that duality that you live as a black person in America. It's it's always sort of been there, you know, like even 
your best friends who are white, who you know have not a racist bone in their body. You know what I mean? They still don't understand what you do every day when you come around their presence. Then you're, you're you know, pretty much 95% yourself, but then you get with them around other people and it's like none of you are seeing the real me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Different me going on. But, um, so that, you know, it's just, it's very, I'm, I'm excited and with some fear. Like, can we, you know, but I think this is a tipping point because you can't go back on, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Right. So a lot of things in America and that white America has allowed themselves to see. Yeah. So now you can never go back to not seeing that again. You know what I mean? And we saw it before, just didn't want to give in to it yet. Right. You know what I mean? So now it's like, okay, now, so I'm excited about that. And, you know, I want to think with music that this is one of those times where things change, you know, like you went from bebop to hard bop, you know, from the hard bop to contemporary or whatever, you know. Right. There's got to be some kind of, there is going to be, because there's a change in our lifestyles. Yeah. So that's going to come out somehow in the music. And I'm, I don't know how I'm curious to see how mm-hmm. um, I, there's a part of me that's worried that we won't be able to make a living at this. Like we can't do this anymore, like the same way. And, but I don't think that's true because that's who we are as human beings. Like we need art and we need music. Yeah. It's not going to go away. You know what I mean? It's just, there's a different way that we're going to, find to relate it and even jazz it's just like can you imagine a, a world without jazz it's like jazz is not going to go away right it's kind of music that's based on you improvising and totally being yourself and expressing yourself like that's never going to go whatever you want to call it that's never going to go away yeah you, you know so how do we express it now or live it now is this i don't know i know that if some if something happens, if there's a, like a vaccine, I, I think play, public playing is going to come back, but I still think it's going to be different because we've gone through something. Yeah. We've gone through some, uh, a heavy, you know, ordeal. Right. So that's going to have an effect on us, I think, and on our music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it will be better. I think it will cause us to be more inside the music, you know. Yeah with the fluff because we've been through some a trial here so it's just like we don't really need we know what really matters a little more than that right (laughs) another another um interviewee said something similar like we've we've all had time as musicians to just kind of sit around and listen to music and practice and uh record and reflect and and you know just take some time to figure out what does music really mean to me what do I really want to do with music? What do I really want to express? Um, and, and what, um, you know, what is, what is not me? What have I, what have I been sort of busying myself with that I don't really give a shit about? (laughs) Um, so I'm hoping that a lot of musicians will come out of this just sort of more, you know, more of their authentic selves, more fully realized, 
um, and, yeah. and speaking with clearer voices musically. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I and that we just somehow we um, are more in touch with the, the reality of music and uh, of the arts really. And, you know, where, where those things lie when you juxtapose them to all the other rhythm of life, all the other things of life, you know, the, the technologies and the, the popular things, you know, that we do things that are, you know, um, trendy. Right. You know, like what, what, you know, what do we really, what really matters about this? You know, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I just think it's going to give us a, a deeper understanding of each other and of life, of living, you know, yeah. this is, this is going to be a year at least um, sort of taken away from all of us. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We're not like voluntarily giving it up. Like it's, it's being taken. Like when we're sort of being put in a place where we have to stop and think differently, even if you don't like having to wear a mask, it's just like, but you have to think about why you don't like having, you know, you have to think about this, these issues and you have to think about what's going on and see a different perspective of, of everything around you, people around you. Mm-hmm. So just an awareness really. Yeah. is what this is promoting in, in all of us. And hopefully, especially with what's going on now in the United States, we can come out more aware of who we are. Yep. And that will then help us understand how to treat other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we're being given. Like you're, you're absolutely right. This, this year is being taken away from us against our will. We would not have given it up willingly, but what's being given to us is this opportunity to, to hopefully gain just more awareness about ourselves and about our society and, and move forward with that awareness. Like, you know, this, this year is gone. It's taken away from us, but hopefully we can, you know, attain attain this thing in return right yeah because when, I mean, when you lose this year of music how much more precious will you hug that lady or that man or that music when you get to play it yeah it's gonna be a little it's like i'm not gonna take this for granted you know what i mean right like that or you know and with if that kind of thinking if you become sensitive to that kind of thinking in yourself and in your own dealings, you see the world like that. It's this little, it helps you. You know, it's like, I, I, I won't take this person for granted. Right. You know I mean? Right. Right. I love most precious. That was essential to my life. I actually had to do without it for a while. The way I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, so many of us, it's like, so I know I can do that. They didn't know. Like, I didn't know that I could, you know, I knew I could because I was teaching all this time. I'm like, I, I, I know what it's like to not do this, you know. Right. Some people were just like, man, I, I did not know I could do this. Like, <laughs> this is, you know, like, yeah, man, you know. But now that you know, yeah, because we're going to get through it and you can't. Mm-hmm. But I just think that sensitivity towards music is going to going to translate in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you're right, and uh, and I look forward to seeing what you what you do in the future. 
uh, having come out of this uh, involuntary break. <laughs> Man, you get on the drums now and have to deal with that deep down feeling. Why are you practicing right now? Again? You know what I mean? Right. You know that thing that's kind of deep that you don't want to confront way back in the back. Like this, like, this is what I do. You know mm. what I mean? I love this. This is who I am, and it has nothing to do with the gig coming up. It's right. Like, oh, okay. Like that's what I mean. Why am I practicing? Because I want to look good. I want to sound good. I don't know. I'm practicing because I just love to do this. I don't have a gig. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of awareness. Like this. This is why. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for thanks for talking. Thanks for uh, updating us on this um, on this great this great record and this this great project to benefit uh, Music Cares. Once again, the the record is Panoptic, available on is it Greenleaf GreenleafRecords dot com, GreenleafMusic GreenleafMusic dot com or or Bandcamp. Yeah, cool. Um, man, it was great. It was great talking to you. It was great uh, getting your your perspective on a few things. I hope I hope you're back out there soon. But uh, if we're not, I know that uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be doing good work there in your in your little corner. And I'll be doing my best. I know the same for you, man. Yeah. See the gear back there. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm I'm putting it together, putting yeah, some maybe. sounds together in here. Ooh. Yeah. yeah man. Good luck to you, man. I know it's going to be cool, and we're all going to be out there playing again. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Be well, man. Thanks for talking. All right, brother. Thanks to Rudy for that talk. We hope you will check out his new album, Pan Optic. You heard a little bit of it in the breaks here, and I think you'll agree it's some really incredible drumming, poetic music, and once again, proceeds benefit Music Cares. You can find it at rudyroyston.bandcamp.com slash album slash panoptic, and we put a link to that on this episode page at workingdrummer.net. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up on what we're doing every week. You can keep in touch with us there too. Don't hesitate to drop us a line. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and Spotify, and check us out at patreon.com slash workingdrummer. Next week, Matt Krause will be talking with Nashville percussionist, composer, and programmer Eric Darkin, whose long list of credits ranges from Jimmy Buffett to Megadeth. That should be cool. Hope you check that out. And until then, stay safe, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.